There is something big going on in repo and collateral. As you know, we've been talking about collateral quite a lot recently, but I mean, in addition to the Japanese government bills and Italian-German spreads and interest rate swaps that are in between all those, the dealers, the money dealers that we depend upon for circulation and redistribution of collateral and cash throughout the system, what are they up to? We've got some more statistics on the repo market, the domestic part of the repo market, that after we go through, the, through them in this video, it's going to leave you with a little bit of a puzzle. Now, I'll give you my answer for what I believe I think is happening, but I'm not sure it's the best one. And this is an important topic because, again, in periods of stress and strain, which is what all those other things like, again, interest rate swaps and Japanese bills and the various other things suggest, because during periods of strain, when it comes to collateral counterparty risk, what we've seen repeatedly throughout the last 16, 17 years is that dealers, they don't really change their haircuts all that much. If you're lending, if you're borrowing cash and putting, putting up collateral and it's, it's lower quality collateral and the dealer starts to look at you funny or starts to look at the, at the collateral that you're posting uh, quite funny, what they'll do is instead of saying, tomorrow I need you to post more, I'm going to raise the haircut from say 5% to 10%. What they'll say is you better show up tomorrow with better quality collateral or don't show up at all. They don't really adjust the haircut. So if you're posting a junk bond that had a 5% haircut, you're not going to get a 10% haircut. You're going to get a collateral call for higher quality collateral. Usually that's U.S. treasuries, but there are other forms of good quality collateral too. And when you get that collateral call, you better have the form that the dealers want or you get the other option, which is you're shown the door, you're exited from tri-party repo or GCF repo or whatever the case may be. So the best quality collateral, junk collateral, these collateral cycles, I'm going to say collateral a lot in this video because we have a little bit of a puzzle to solve here. And with everything that's happening recently, this is an opportune time to go over these particular statistics and define what it is we think is the highest quality collateral. Now, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University, and I thank you very much for joining me. We have research subscriptions and memberships available at our Eurodollar University website. The membership subscriptions, that is the background detail. What is this collateral stuff? Why are dealers so important? Where did this repo stuff come from? Why is it collateral such a big part of it, including derivatives? And why are derivatives a big part of the monetary system? We aim to answer all of those questions, diagramming the Eurodollar system, going through the history, going through the background, going through the theory and matching it up with practice. That's a Eurodollar University membership, and you can check those out at our website, eurodollar.university. For all the bad stuff that we've been focusing on recently, and again, Japanese bills, Italian spread, interest rate swaps spreads a big one, there has been one good part, or one not bad part, let's put it that way, something that hasn't been flashing a warning sign that had previously been flashing serious warning signs. And I'm talking, of course, about treasury bills. And treasury bills, as we know, those are the best of the best of the best forms of collateral. Again, let's... Before we get to the treasury bills, let's step back and talk about these collateral cycles because the collateral cycles are tied to economic cycles because of the monetary relationship, but also because of safe asset shortages. I know this is hard for people to believe because 
The Treasury Department in particular, U.S. government has gone crazy, absolutely insane over the last 15 years, issuing amounts of debts that we have never seen outside of something like World War II or the U.S. Civil War. But instead, despite all of that issuance in treasuries, we still encounter these safe asset shortages or a treasury scramble or squeezes because the marketplace gets infected with riskier forms of collateral during reflationary periods or during, during periods when money dealers and financial participants are more optimistic about things. They accept lower quality collateral, they post them, they take them in at terms that probably aren't wise, and eventually they realize their errors and it leads to this reverse cycle where collateral, that lower quality collateral needs to be expunged from the system. And it usually, it's not done so in very orderly, efficient fashion. It's lumpy and occasionally disorderly as we've seen over the last couple of years. And in those scrambles for collateral, you're scrambling for the good quality collateral that dealers are, in dema are demanding that you post rather than adjust a haircut. So you put up a junk bond, the dealer says, I don't like that junk anymore. I could give you a different haircut, but I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna demand treasury bills or you're gonna, I'm gonna tell you to go someplace else, go take a hike. So scrambles for collateral means finding top quality collateral. And a big factor in being able to find quality collateral is treasury supply, the supply of these issues. If the treasury department is not supplying a lot of these issues, then as we have a scramble for collateral and there isn't a whole lot of that collateral available, it compounds the trouble, doubles, more than doubles the trouble in the monetary system and collateral sufficiency. So the treasury has to, supply is a big issue. Treasury has to supply enough bills to meet the demand and demand isn't constant. It's constantly flipping back and forth based on the short run characteristics, the long-term euro dollar cycles, whether we're in one, all of these factors and it's, it, it makes for a complicated mess. Over the last several months, as many of you know, as most people know, the Treasury Department has been issuing tons and tons and tons and tons of Treasury bills. After the debt ceiling was reached and they raised it, which we all knew they were going to do, beginning in June of 2023, the issuance has been absolutely off the chart, which led some people to think, it's going to be so big, there's no way the marketplace will be able to absorb all of that supply. Well, here we are in October, and the market easily absorbed all that supply. And contrary to perception, most of that supply, the vast majority of that additional supply, was in the form of treasury bills. Not the bonds and not the long bonds and the tenure that everybody's talking about with the current sell-off. That's something different. Treasury bills have been where not just recently, but historically, that's where the government goes when they're issuing debt that they did not foresee, let's put it that way, unscheduled deficits. And the numbers are just absolutely astounding. You look at net gross and net issuance, gross issuance in April was just over a trillion dollars. Net, uh, the retirements was about $1.2 trillion. So leading up to the debt ceiling in the month of April, there was a net deficit or a shrinking of the amount of treasury bills on outstanding minus 126 billion in April. I mean, talk about the worst possible time to have this debt ceiling and the government restricting treasury bills. I mean, we knew that at the time. It led to these enormous scrambles for collateral because number one, supply was restricted. But before all that, number two, we had the banking liquidity crisis, which was in effect another collateral squeeze. So as bad quality collateral was 
pushed out of the system, there were fewer and fewer treasury bills available to go into, which is why we saw these crazy prices, especially in four-week bills and occasionally eight-week bills too. Treasury bills were squeezed out. In May, they started to come back a little bit. There was a net issuance of $51 billion for gross issuance of $1.38 trillion. So pretty, pretty decent supply in May, especially compared to April. But net, it wasn't much of an increase after the decrease in, in, in April. And then June, we got the debt ceiling done, and here comes the deluge. At 1.6 trillion gross issued for a net of 473 billion, almost half a trillion net added in treasury bills. July was 1.5 trillion gross, 300 billion net. August was almost 2 trillion gross, and still the net was over 300 billion. And then September, we're starting to come back down a little bit. 1.6 trillion gross for a net increase of 187 billion. You make an assumption that as treasury bill supply is offered, that it's also offered as a as available for collateral use too, because it seems like it should be a one for one. Treasury supply goes up, therefore collateral availability should go up by a, the same or a similar amount. If the government is going to throw out there over a trillion dollars in additional net bills, wouldn't that make a trillion dollars in bills available for collateral use? Well, it seems like it because the, collateral, the treasury bill market has been completely placid, but that may not be the case either. And what we're seeing recently as treasury bill yields declined ever so slightly, we saw that just at the, the, the bill auctions just yesterday, maybe the demand for bills is starting to sharpen all over again related to all the other collateral indications that we've seen. We talk about those bill auctions yesterday. Uh, we had the four-week and eight-week bill auction. You look at the numbers. Uh, last uh, Yesterday's four-week auction, the high yield was 5.305%. That was down two basis points from the week before. Even though $95 billion were sold in each auction, the median ticked down a little bit too, 5.285 versus 5.305. Same with the eight-week auction. Yesterday, the high yield was 5.325. That was down two basis points from the week before. The median was down two basis points too. So there's potential for increased demand on treasury bills for supply that is reaching its, its maybe its, its apex. And that's, again, the issue that we're trying to figure out here is as we experience a, a euro dollar cycle, a collateral cycle, as bad quality collateral like Italian BTPs are increasingly rejected, what is it that's available and how much is available of the good quality collateral that dealers will be in demanding? When we look at the repo market as a whole, it's not always just U.S. treasuries. Although treasuries are at the top of the, top of the bundle, they're the best quality collateral, but they do have some competition and some recent competition in the form of agency MBS. Because agency MBS, even though these are mortgage bonds and we have lots of scar tissue remaining from the 2008 crisis and all the toxic waste that went on back then, agency mortgage bonds, these are mortgage bonds that have been guaranteed and gone through the GSE processes. So they're considered every bit safe. But up until the last couple of years, there haven't been a lot of agency MBS because the mortgage market as a whole pretty much died off 10, 15 years ago, and it really didn't come back all that much. It had a little bit of a, 
of a resurgence in 2020 and 2021. Everybody's seeking shelter in real estate. A lot of agency MBS because of the friendly environment for them in 2020 and 2021. So what we've seen over the statistics tell us over the last couple of years, there's a couple of different statistics here. First of all, we have something called tri-party repo. And tri-party repo is where we have a custodian bank who sits in between the cash borrower and the cash lender, manages the cash going back and forth every day, manages the collateral going back and forth every day, and keeps track of all of these things on behalf of everybody. So if you're if you're in the in the market to borrow funds and you have collateral, you go to Bank of New York Mellon, if you meet their requirements, post good collateral, they'll let you borrow funds through their platform. That's tri-party repo, because the third party is Bank of New York Mellon. It used to be JP Morgan and Bank of New York Mellon, JP Morgan decided they didn't want to be in the business anymore. Something very interesting has been happening in tri-party repo, and that is US, usage of U.S. Treasury collateral has been essentially flat over the last year. There's been ebbs and flows along the way, but U.S. Treasury collateral use has been flat. The amount of repo of funds that are borrowed in using U.S. Treasury collateral has been flat. At the same time, though, MBS collateral has, has, has increased a substantial amount. Let's call it that. In June of 2022, and these are just these are snapshots that um, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York puts together on, I believe, the seventh day of every month. They, they tell Bank of New York Mellon, tell us what's, what's, what's going on through your tri-party repo platform on the seventh day of every month. So on the seventh business day of June 2022, uh, Bank of New York Mellon said there was 3.1 trillion in U.S. Treasury collateral outstanding. So that's repo using U.S. Treasuries, and that's bills, bonds, notes, and everything else in between. Um, at the same on the same day, June of 2022, there was only 540 billion in agency MBS. You fast forward to December 2022, still 3.1 trillion in Treasury, but now 651 billion in MBS. April of 2023, as we're getting into the ma major crisis, the collateral squeeze, believe it or not, Treasury issue or Treasury repo volumes went up to three and a half trillion in April of 2023, while at the same time, MBS tri-party repo went up to 744 billion. That's the scramble for cash and funding during a period, an emergency period, really. Uh, the, pretty much the same numbers in May of 2023, 3.5 trillion of U.S. Treasury collateral, 786, though, of, of 786 billion of MBS collateral. Then we get into the collateral deluge, the Treasury bill deluge. Conditions start to calm down starting in June and July. What seemed like a benign collateral environment with so much Treasury bills being issued. We see repo volumes and treasuries, those decline to 3.1 trillion. We see repo volumes using agency MBS actually decline too to 751 billion. But over the last couple months, volumes of repo using US Treasury collateral, they've continued to decline, while volumes using agency MBS collateral, those have increased sharply yet again. It's 2.8 trillion as of the seventh day, uh, seventh business day in September, versus 818 billion in agency MBS. So we went from 540 billion in June of 2022 to 818 billion in September 2023. At the same time, the volume of, of repo using treasury collateral was about the same and actually moving lower in September. That's an interesting point. 
especially as it's compounded by the statistics in GCF repo. GCF repo is bilateral repo, and this is only what's tracked by DTCC's platform or FICC, uh, but essentially it's, it's what shows up that gets reported by the various dealer banks in GCF repo. So there's, there's a lot more of GCF repo out there in the offshore Eurodollar world. We're only seeing a very small snapshot of it in these statistics, but what it tells us goes further than tri-party repo in terms of this growing preference and this growing use for agency MBS seemingly at the expense of U.S. Treasury collateral. Now, these statistics are aggregated nominal valuables that got cleared through FICC. So it's not a single day. It's the aggregate notional for an entire month, or in this case, we're going to talk about the quarterly statistics for an entire quarter. So back in the third quarter of 2021, GCF repo using U.S. Treasury collateral was about $3.4 trillion. Again, that's just a partial snapshot of the overall marketplace. But $3.4 trillion using treasuries and $1.4 trillion agency MBS. Fast forward a year to the third quarter of 2022. Remember all the fireworks in collateral outside the United States, the gilt, all that stuff, uh, German bonds. Suddenly in GCF repo, there was only 1.6 trillion used on treasuries, but suddenly 2 trillion in agency NBS. And we get to the first quarter of 2023, which touches March. There was a rebound in treasury collateral to 2.1 trillion in the first quarter. But agency NBS continued to rise to 3.1 trillion. And then we get the third quarter statistics, which show, again, 1.3 trillion in U.S. Treasury collateral for the third quarter versus 3.5 trillion for agency NBS. So NBS picked up to the highest level in forever, while U.S. Treasury collateral and GCF continues to fall. In fact, you look at these statistics. From the third quarter of 2021 to the third quarter of 2023, over those two years, they've completely flip-flopped. Treasury usage was 3.4 trillion versus only 1.4 trillion for MBS. Now it's 3.5 trillion for MBS and only 1.3 trillion for Treasury. That is the puzzle that we need to work out here because GCF repo is an important, enormously important part of this global collateral fabric. And it's backed up, what we're seeing in GCF repo is backed up by what we're also seeing in Triparty, this increasing usage of MBS collateral. And that begs the question, why? What is really happening here? And again, as we keep saying here, it's incredibly important because as lower quality collateral gets thrown out of the system, it leads people to go into the higher quality collateral. But what is higher quality collateral in the system today? It seems like it's different than what it was just a couple years ago. And it's been transforming and moving over the last several years. Does that mean that the repo market is rejecting treasuries in favor of agency NBS? I mean, that's possible, but very, very unlikely. I don't believe that's what we're seeing here. Instead, I think what we're seeing, and this is my answer, but it's still, I mean, not sure it's the best one. I think the answer here is money market funds. Because over the last couple of years, what have money market funds been doing? Well, they've been growing as cash has migrated away from regional banks and some other banks into money market funds. And as those money market funds have all this cash available, what are they doing with it? Well, they're buying a lot of treasury bills. So as they're buying treasury bills, it almost becomes like a QE in the sense that QE removes collateral from the system. 
money market funds are taking treasury bills from the system and locking them up on their portfolios, leaving less maybe for the marketplace. Because we can't explain this MBS and it's not interest rates, it's not price sensitivity because price sensitivity, it, there's the same price sensitivity in MBS as there is in treasury, uh, treasury, treasury securities. And MBS has a hell of a lot more because they have longer duration. And repo rates in MBS versus U.S. Treasury, those have been pretty much lockstep the entire way. There's something else that's causing this, this transformation in GCF as well as tri-party repo that is favoring MBS collateral. Despite the fact that Treasury bills have been issued, they've been deluged over the last couple of months, really four, four months now, maybe they're not as available as we assume. Maybe money market funds have been taking too many of those bills, leaving fewer and fewer available to circulate. Now, there's been more than enough to circulate because uh, it's not just been money market funds buying bills, but as that deluge starts to trickle back a little bit, does that leave us in a situation where money market funds have too many bills and we don't actually have as much supply of bills that we thought? And in the repo market, maybe repo market participants are moving to MBS collateral as an alternative to the treasury bills that they can't get a hold of. Even though Treasury has supplied a lot more bills, if too many of those bills have gone into money market funds, maybe there's a vulnerability over and above than what, what we would otherwise expect given the supply characteristics. If you want to see more about repo and collateral, check out the video link below me. As always, I thank you very much for joining me. Huge thank you, Eurodollar University subscribers, and of course, our Eurodollar University members. Some of them you see right next to me. Until next time. Take care.